0: Like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys! Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club, we've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club kid.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Review's Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me as always is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And it's the start of a new month, and that means a new theme here at Burke Reviews Movie Club. Uh, last month, February 2020, we did uh, Love Antosha. This month, March 2020, we are doing Phoenix Rising. Uh, you'll notice an accidental sad pattern, kind of, that we did Anthony Elshin movies, and he's a uh, very young de- deceased actor. He died too young, is what I'm trying to say, but articulated poorly. Um, and now we're doing River Phoenix movies, another actor who died too young. Next month, we're doing Brittany Murphy films, another actress actress this time who died too too young um so a sad little set of three months but then we we break away from this pattern so don't don't worry um the bright side is when we did anton yelchin last month Corey and i had seen most of the great anton yelchin films where i have seen very few river phoenix movies so we're actually getting to watch some pretty good stuff starting with today's review of dogfight um no 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 I am we so already wrong. did this that.
0: Is... I was like, "Did I watch the wrong movie?" And I was like, "No, I
1: screwed up." It's so many me. things just now. <laughs> no. I knew that too. So, listeners, this is the second episode of this month. I literally just posted <laughs> about yeah. dogfight. Um, so, apologies. Uh, shows where my brain is. So, off to a great start on this episode. We were not going to restart. Why well, do that? You need to see how screwed up I can be. Um, you know, sometimes life gets in the way, and uh, you have to get you know push past it. Um, man, I can't believe all of that. I was so convinced, and I know I posted that episode. So this is the second episode of the River Phoenix Month. Um, Phoenix Rising is the theme, and apologies again. We are going to be talking about Stand By Me tonight, um, which I had seen when I was a kid, but remembered almost nothing except from the things that I've seen from the zeitgeist, you know, because it's a movie that gets referenced and parody quite a bit. Um, in fact, there was a whole episode of Family Guy uh, where they did different Stephen King-like um, oh. like remakes and this was one of the ones so like i had a lot of it kind of through family guy a few years back um i don't currently watch any tv really but i definitely have not watched family guy in years uh but um if you're new to the podcast uh cory and i started this a few years ago to make sure we were watching at least one new movie every um week so i while i said i technically saw this i saw it at a time when i definitely didn't remember it so this was like a first watch for me and cory you've seen this a few times
0: Many, many, many times.
1: Many times. So um, I I was excited to finally check this one off the list because I knew this is one I didn't have enough. Uh, I mean, I think I might have saw it even in the theater. So I was like four or five when I saw this. Because um, mm. my mom liked to you know take me to movies. She was a movie person, so we would o- always go see a lot of stuff. Um, and I'm not 100%. I definitely remember parts of this, but I don't know if I just saw it in fragments or if I did see it and I just, you know, it was... I was four, so I'm 37 now. It's been a long time. Um, This is the first time I definitely sat from beginning to end in a a very long while to watch it. So that's what we count this one as, my never seeing. But before we get to our review of Stand By Me, we like to talk about uh, what's been going on in our lives and what else we've been watching. So we'll start with, Corey, you notice how crazy I must be today because I'm (laughs) babbling like a fool. You have a great moment.
0: (laughs) I'm doing pretty well. How about you?
1: I am, uh, okay, this is, I think part of it, I am recording, uh, three podcasts in a row. Um, Damn. uh, Not in a row. See, even that's not right. Three days in a row I'm recording a podcast, so my brain's, like, scattered about, because yesterday Matt and I recorded a bloody awesome movie podcast. Um, we're, we're getting that back in the swing of things. We did a, uh, return episode with the top 20 of the decade a few weeks ago, but we're, we're doing our normal format where we review four movies a month, uh, so we just reviewed our, the four big releases from February. Then we're doing this tonight. And then tomorrow night, we're also bringing back our movie astrology podcast, where we pick a year in cinema and go through it all. And then at the end, I write a horoscope based around the year. So if you were born on the year that we're reviewing, you get like a, like a kind of in the vein of like a Chinese horoscope where it's by year and not by month. Um, and it's complete nonsense. It's just something fun. I try to tie in as much movie references from that year as I can into the horoscope. So, Uh, That that we're recording tomorrow, so my brain's like all over the place, and then on top of you know normal work day and uh, other shenanigans of stuff happening in my in and around my life. I just finished the movie, in fact. So, um, Mm. but what's been going on, Corey?
0: Uh, not a lot. I uh, celebrated my birthday this weekend with some people.
1: Um, Nice twenty-five years old.
0: Yeah, that's right. Forever. Um, which was fun. We got to go to some of my favorite places in Boise and we got to have brunch because I'm old and I love brunch. What do you um, get it?
1: brunch. I don't think I've ever truly had brunch.
0: Oh my God. You can get whatever you want. Really? Honestly. Um, it's usually just the breakfast menu, but it's for people who can't wake up early and get moving. So see, we man, may... I've had brunch. Yeah. I we'd... don't know.
1: I feel like you got to have like something special. Like I always hear like eggs. Uh, Benedict is like a I oh, I don't
0: know. We need to talk about this. Because oh. if anybody ever tries to serve me something with holidays, hollandaise sauce on it, I'm probably going to just throw up everywhere.
1: Really? Why I'm going to be like
0: Lardass <laughs> in our movie tonight. Ah. Um, I don't like it. I think it's disgusting. I don't like the texture. I don't like the flavor. I don't like the color. It looks like baby puke. Okay. Mm. Um, It's like a light yellow. I don't want that yeah, on I top see. of my eggs. I don't want that. You...
1: We went to, um, there's this really great like little Mexican restaurant here in town called, uh, I believe it's pronounced Zenimas, um, but it's like X-I-M-E-N apostrophe S, I think. Um, and uh, I've been wanting to, for a while, get, they have like a, like a eggs menu where there's just like eggs with like rice and beans and stuff. And I've wanted to try it. And tonight I was brave. Brave is not the right word. I was, uh, I didn't get my norm. I had been getting a taco salad there pretty much for the whole time I've been eating there. So today I was like, I'm going to mix it up. Um, and I got the uh, divorced eggs, which is supposed to come with uh, a, like a sunny side up fried egg with green sauce on one side and then red mm. sauce on the other. But they were uh, out of the red sauce at the moment. So I went double green, um, but with rice and beans and tortillas to like soap it all up. And man, I was not disappointed. So that's like my brunch take, but I went for dinner. Uh, I had eggs for dinner this evening, but T'was I call that Brenner. Ah, Brenner. Like
0: <laughs> um, yeah. Well, yesterday I did have some fancy French toast. It was like vanilla custard French Ooh. toast, and then like instead of like regular syrup, it was like uh, beer. it was made out of just like fresh berries, and it was freaking amazing. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And then other people had more sensible meals, but you know, YOLO.
1: <laughs> <Interesting>. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh. Yeah. So. That's it. And then, I mean, I love plants, which you know. And uh, we went to a couple different, uh, oh, cheese and rice nurseries. N- nurseries. Mm-hmm. It's
1: just weird that they are called nurseries, but you know.
0: Why they're it is. growing baby plants.
1: I guess. I just think of like a nursery as like a place for babies. So I guess it's there, but it feels like a weird statement. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I know that's what they're called. I just it just seems like they could have called it something different that isn't mm. also some other thing you know
0: e- well <laughs> like... i mean english yeah <laughs> and also like um, my favorites when words are spelled the same but said completely different sorry
1: well, i hit my 100 pound milestone that i've been Woo-hoo! waiting for for just over 13 months um i clocked in at uh 347 january 31st i think in 2019 and yesterday um march 1st i clocked in at Two forty-seven, and i've been waiting to get there uh and i was very excited so i went and celebrated i've been craving a breakfast sandwich since i saw birds of prey and i I went to uh our local wawa and i got a uh a fairly sensible breakfast sandwich i got i got i did get a shorty so it's their like sub roll but i got wheat instead of white bread and then um i got an egg white omelet with spinach tomato jalapenos and this uh pickled like spicy cherry relish
0: oh that sounds good
1: it was very good it was very spicy but it was very good um and i got i forgot i didn't get cheese i really wanted pepper jack i didn't because that's extra calories Uh, it was all like 450 calories so like a you know reasonable breakfast um sandwich but i've been craving one and i was like yeah i'm gonna allow myself this indulgence um but i still actually i did not go to the gym yesterday but my calorie count was spot on uh yesterday was my first rest day for a couple weeks um, my gym uh, every month they post like the top users from the previous month. And I'm number six at my gym with 26 days logged in the 29 days of February, so I'm Dang, pretty happy with
0: that. Nice.
1: Um, but yeah, so continuing on my weight loss weight loss journey, as I uh, I get more and more comfortable watching movies on my phone now during, when I'm on the treadmill, like I, I start stuff and then I, like uh, I've watched two documentaries. <laughs> Over days, uh, just watching them when I'm on the treadmill, and I've enjoyed doing that. Uh, I don't usually do that. You you like to start and stop movies. I tried not to, um, but I have kind of made this concession. I'm not reviewing the ones that I watch like that, mm-hmm. so I'm okay with like if I forget something or whatever. It's more like, you know, just a uh, it's in, engaging as a way of checking some stuff off my list that maybe I wouldn't otherwise watch. I have to be a little more selective at the gym because I don't want something weird popping up on my phone, which kind of backfired with one of the docs that I watched. But oh no. Um, uh nobody saw, but I think if someone had seen it, it would have freaked them out. But um I was like, Oh man, like I'm like leaning into my phone more so like hopefully no one can see. Uh but yeah. Um speaking of, I, I think that's about the gist of what's been going on. So you wanna get into what we've been watching? Yes. You wanna go first or second this week? I'll go first. righty.
0: Okay. So I watched the um Whitmer the new Whitmer Thomas uh, HBO special um stand up special the golden one okay <laughs> and um they've been advertising his uh the songs from the cuz he's also a musician um and he plays songs during his special um but they've been advertising for a few months his vinyl on Hardly Art which is Sub Pop sister like s- sister brand um it was originally intended to just be local Seattle bands but they've branched out from there but so I've been kind of interested, and I really I think I'm gonna get the vinyl, and I just can imagine my husband's face walking in while I'm listening to it, <laughs> like the uh, looks that I'll get from it. But um, I really enjoyed that. I don't watch a whole lot of stand up. Um, I watched the first Star Trek movie, I think from 2009.
1: Sounds right.
0: And then I started watching the second one, but it was getting really late. Um, and then I went to the movie theater and saw The Lodge. Oh. Which I complained about on Twitter already, but for the millions of people that don't follow me on Twitter, I didn't realize until a couple mo- days before the movie that it's directed by the same directors, there are two, as Goodnight Mommy, and I hate that movie so much. It's the dumbest ah. movie I've ever seen in my life, but now there's this other one that's right up there with it. Um, I hated it so much. And then... Yeah.
1: It's got a pretty decent score too. It's a sixty-four Metascore, and Gross. the cast is pretty solid. Like, it's not good. Hmm. Because Riley Keough shows up again.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Didn't like that one. And then I kind of like. <laughs> it's just kind of a surface thing, and I can't really say what it is because it might be a, it is a spoiler for this one, but. I kind of like something that the directors are saying, but I, it's not enough because it's not a good movie. Uh, and then yeah, yesterday yeah. we went to see uh, Call of the Wild. Oh. Which and? I enjoyed. Um, I, I I, kind of had an idea from like how silly the dog Looks because the dogs like CGI. I don't really know what kind of, you know, I kind of had an idea. I wish that they were just going to use like real dogs, but I can understand, I guess. But I wasn't expecting it to be quite as childish as it was. Oh. I don't know how to explain it. Like, I think it would be a great movie to take kids to, even though it has some like harder subject matter in it, just because of all the dogs being CGI.
1: Uh, I think it, it is based on a kid's book, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Call of the Wild?
1: Yeah. Is it not a kid's book?
0: I didn't ever know. I've never read that book. I've never, read it. like, you know. um. But yeah, I didn't it def- think it, it was a kid's book.
1: A, it may not be a kid's book. It's definitely a Which book. Which I could be wrong.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. I I liked Harrison Ford in it, too. Um, I, I'm not mad I saw it. I enjoyed it. And Bill said that if you look at it like it was a cartoon, and it's like, i can appreciate it (laughs) but that's what i've been watching
1: true 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 um i uh matt also like call the wild i have i had kind of forego i i didn't want to see it it didn't look i don't movies with dogs like that always stress me out because i just feel like it's gonna make me at some Mm. point cry yeah and so i i tend to avoid those anyways and then it didn't look good um on top of that so i was like "Ah, i think i'm okay and I've not uh, changed my mind as of yet, but I've heard mostly positive from people who've seen it. But um, So I rewatched uh, a musical called stuck oh. um, that I watched last year. Um, and I really enjoy it. It is uh, a very independent musical, but I, I like a lot of the songs. Um, big tuna recommended it last year. Uh, he had uh, saw it at, I think the Gasparilla film festival the year before and interviewed the director. Um, okay. And so, uh, I realized it was on prime and I was just kind of like, Hey, um, I'm going to throw this on while I do some work and stuff. Cause I've already seen it. So I don't have to like give it a hundred percent of my attention. Uh, it, held, it holds up not quite as much as I liked it the first time, but still I, I very much enjoy a lot of the music. I like the subject matter. I think there's some really good performances and I ended up ordering it on uh, DVD from Amazon to put on my shelf at work um, for my nice. students to check out. Um, I watched a screener. Uh, for a movie called Vivarium that stars um and Poots and oh. uh, Jesse Eisenberg, um, it's a really weird sci fi film that I I liked quite a bit. Uh, my review's not up yet. I don't think I was under embargo, so I think I'm okay. But um, there was not, There was definitely no mention of an embargo in the email where I got the screener, so I think I'm okay to say I watched it. I won't say if I liked it or not, but it was um interesting. Uh, and then I went and saw The Invisible Man, Corey. You haven't seen this yet, no? Oh, Corey. See, see. it doesn't.
0: Okay, so we need to talk about this for a minute. There has been nothing in these trailers that make it even look remotely good. Like not even to the point where Elizabeth Moss, who I like a lot, I I don't enough. I've heard I've
1: heard a lot of people say that about the trailer. I I disagreed uh, completely. I think they show too much in the trailer. But I was so uh, sold on the trailer, but I've heard from people who have seen the movie and didn't like the trailer that they loved it. Matt and I both love this movie to kind of spoil part of the BAMP episode, but um, this was by far the best movie from February. Uh, Right now, it's my number one for the year. I don't think it will stay there, but, you know, two months in, it is by far the best film that's come out this year. Um, and I liked Gretel and Hansel as well, um, which is a very artsy uh, indie horror film. This is a, a little more straightforward. This is the Blumhouse film, second Blumhouse film this month. Also a $7 million budget Blumhouse film. It has already made $30 million. Um Elizabeth Moss is freaking amazing in this movie. And I love the setup of the Invisible Man in this story. This is a reboot of the Dark Universe. I had not realized that. I thought this was like just a another telling of an old story. This is the official Universal worked with Blumhouse because of the failure of the mummy. Uh, they decided to go small indie oh. rather than big budget. And this is a really awesome reboot. I, I it's it does not attempt to set up a universe either. Uh important to note this is about this story, only this story. Um, it could easily do the thing that Universal wanted to do, but it could also just be this movie and it it would still be perfect. Um, I really like this film. I actually want to see it again. I have heard a few people complain that it's more stressful than scary. And I don't disagree with that point of view, but I don't mind a movie that is stressful. Um, if it's successful in what it's trying to do. And I think it does. Um, and again, she is great. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why I really connect with this film. Um, and I'll leave it at that. But, um, I then watched stand by me, uh, over, um, which I will talk about momentarily. Uh, Last night, I watched Rachel Getting Married, um, the Jonathan Demi film that stars Anne Hathaway. I've I've been working through as many of the Demi films as I can get my hands on without having to buy new ones um, because the Blank Check podcast is doing uh, him. We're almost through his whole filmography. Um, In fact, you bought me uh, the next movie, which is um, um, The Master Builder or A Master Builder. Uh, So that's why I have to watch that before next Sunday. Um, And then they end with Ricky and The Flash, which I don't really want to watch but i'm gonna uh meryl streep in a rock band apparently is that movie um but rachel getting married i found at dollar general like a year or two ago and i hadn't watched it and now is the right time to finally do so and um man it's a it's a really good movie it's very tough uh to a degree um but it's uh the performances are really good it also has um Aside from Anne Hathaway, who is the lead, you get Rosemary DeWitt, who's really great in it. And uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, recommend that one. And then just now, um, before uh, this podcast, I started it on the treadmill, finished it when I got home, is the 1933, The Invisible Man, uh, the really? original. Um, I, I've been meaning to get to the all of the classic Universal Monsters. I've only seen Dracula and Frankenstein. Um, I now own... I've already owned those two but I now own The Wolfman, Invisible Man, The Bride of Frankenstein and I think maybe one more. Oh, I've owned The Black the Creature of the Black Lagoon. I that one didn't grab me when I tried to watch it. I found it kind of slow. Um this one I liked, but I was surprised there's some some zany like melodrama type acting from some of the performers which is the of the era, but I don't always like sometimes it feels a little too cheesy. Like when the people are screaming and like falling down, crying and stuff. Oh. They, um, it's not always something that I vibe with, but I did, I did enjoy the movie overall. I was really impressed with the effects of the time though, like to make him invisible and stuff. It's pretty, it looks pretty good. Uh, even after all this time, I was really like, wow, I got to read up on how they did all of it. Cause I'm like, some things are like clearly like stuff tied to a fishing line bouncing around, but like there's a part when he first takes off the bandages. Mm-hmm. and you see like the shirt with no head there like I, I don't it's my understanding is it predates green screen technology by a long time and then it would have had to have been rotoscoped which i didn't think they had started that far back which is uh painting frame by frame so like removing the head frame by frame and okay. that would have been pretty intensive uh if that is what they did which is my guess what they did but i have not uh, officially looked into that yet but i'm i'm really really into uh the, that part of that movie if nothing else it is good though it's not like it's bad it's just it is that 30s over the top kind of performance piece uh from some but um i like all the invisible man stuff and uh i don't know i i think the new one is so good though um and i think it 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 tackles some topics in a in a like the it's very much a like it's not a metaphor And yet it is a metaphor for abusive relationships. And like, it's literally what she's escaping. And you see part of that in one of the trailers where she's like escaping from, uh, Adrian, but there is, um, I think there's a metaphor built into the invisible part of the movie, uh, that I think people who've gone through like abusive situations would relate to in the new one, which I don't think is part of the old one at all. Like that's not something the old one's trying to do. Uh, but I, I think that's one of the reasons I, I really connect with the new one and what it's doing and what it's saying. I think it's pretty powerful. And that's what I've been watching. Oh, and I've started Good Place Season 3 finally. Um, I've seen the first few seasons, and it's been a while since Season 3's been out, but I haven't got to it. I've watched, I think, three episodes so far of Season 3, and I still love that show so, so much. And I tweeted this, but Adam Scott makes a, a comment, with all these new Star Wars sequels, do you think we're going to get another Spaceballs? And I feel like this question is not being addressed, <laughs> and I think it needs to be addressed. Like, what's ha- let's make it happen, Disney Spaceballs two.
0: So we're all just gonna mass retweet this. That's what yeah. this was. John's call to arms.
1: Yes, we we must. Uh, I I know there's people are split on Spaceballs, but I love both Spaceballs and uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights, and I think we we do deserve a sequel to uh, Spaceballs. Um, you know, I, I don't know what Mel Brooks' situation is right now. I, I I haven't even looked to see if he's still alive. I feel like he might be. Um, but I think I think it needs to happen somehow. And I know Disney is very tight with their copyright law, uh, so they may not be willing to, to give the ability to do a parody of the Star Wars films, but I feel like we just need to. So let's make it happen. All right. I think that leads us to Stand by Me. Ready to talk about the film of the week, Corey? Yes. Stats. 1986. Stand by me. um, 75 Metascore. 8.1 IMDb user score. The plot synopsis reads, After the death of one of his friends, a writer recounts a boyhood journey with his friends to find the body of a missing boy. Which, I don't feel like that's 100% clear that that's the framing device of the film until the end of the film. Um, Like, we hear narration and stuff, but I... I don't feel like we see richard Dreyfus as the grown-up writing the story until the end which i guess is a spoiler but it's not because it's in the synopsis so you know what you gonna do am i wrong did i miss like something with him at the beginning i know there's a guy in the truck reading a newspaper article
0: yeah that was him um see
1: it doesn't look like him like well it didn't register that it was him when i saw that scene and then at the end i was like oh it's richard Dreyfus." but
0: oh baby richard Dreyfus. I mean, I mean, not
1: really. He's already it's it's ten years after Jaws, so
0: yeah. But I I feel like any time that I see him without white hair, it's Baby Richard Dreyfus. Yeah, mm. gotcha, because I don't know. Um, I don't feel like I have. I can. I feel like this isn't a question for me because I've seen it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So many times, but I, I, I don't well, feel I like could... it's. Oh, go ahead.
1: I, I clearly missed something is why I'm asking so
0: well I felt like it it's maybe not very clear until he starts telling a story um during like when they're camping
1: oh well yeah no okay I see what you're saying but like he's who the, that man was yeah, yeah.
0: Was. and that like
1: <sighs> well so before we get into the movie plot any <laughs> anymore let's go uh, it's directed by Rob Reiner Uh, It's based on the novella "The Body" by Stephen King. Um, We have Will Wheaton, River Phoenix, Corey Feldman, Jerry O'Connell as our big four. They're the four friends in this movie. Um, Then we get Kiefer Sutherland playing what I feel is either a precursor or follow-up to a very similar performance in "The Lost Boys," Um, because that's what his character totally reminds me of. Which, to be fair, only seen "Lost Boys" maybe twice. uh, He
0: needs a big like cross (laughs) earring.
1: Casey Samasco is important, kind of. Gary Riley's not as much, um, but then we get uh, John Cusack in a very small role, um, a couple of times. What is the? Uh... Okay, yeah, and then the father um, of of uh, Gordy is Marshall Bell, and the mother is Frances Lee McCain. She doesn't have to do a whole lot in this movie, but. Um, and then as I mentioned, Richard Dreyfuss is in it, but not a lot, but it still, it's Richard Dreyfuss. So he's deserving of a mention. That looks like the gist of anyone we need to say here. Um, so if you're new to the show, we always start mostly spoiler free. I guess I technically spoil part of it, but this is a, it is a pretty old movie. So a little bit of disclaimer there. And again, it is built around the synopsis. I don't think it spoils too much. Um, although I do feel like that's part of, the irony why this one story was so important to them, but um, let's uh, let's get into our thoughts. So we start spoiler free. Corey, uh, you've seen this many, many times. Yeah. Um, why? What is it about this movie that keeps you coming back?
0: I w- I feel like I was like every child ever that just watches the same movies over and over and over again, except this was before DVDs and it was VHS. So, we, I, you know, I don't even know if I'd let them rewind all the way. And I'd just start watching mm. them again. And my parents let me watch whatever I wanted. And this, like, I even remember watching this a million times when we lived in Merritt Island. And I was very young. Um, I don't know. It, and even, like, older now, like, I did not realize this movie is only an hour and 29 minutes.
1: When I was yeah, in, it is relatively short. I kind of assumed it would be long.
0: Yeah, especially because it's a Stephen King a- adaptation. Ad- but of a
1: novella, so that's like a yeah. short a shorter yeah. book i don't know what the official like criteria it's like has to 88 be like. pages or
0: less i don't really know
1: uh, yeah i don't know i'm sure we could google it in fact i will while we talk but um uh I, but yeah keep going
0: i like their friendship a lot um and um, i don't really know what and as a kid i loved keeper sutherland don't ask guys <laughs>
1: um Oh, he was very popular in the eighties. He's kind of like a bad boy too. Like, yeah, but it's from. It's I always weird. see. Yeah, kinda I was weird when you like five. He seems to be true. He seems to be uh, often a bad guy.
0: Yeah, he plays a good bad guy. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so it was interesting watching it with my adult glasses on, which I have seen it once, I think, since I've been an adult, but I can't even remember when that was, and I think mm. I have the dvd that came with the soundtrack oh maybe that i got at that music store that we both worked at for a while gotcha yeah
1: well i um i did not remember much of it i knew uh a few obviously of the big lines i was actually surprised uh i didn't know who the big the the quote-unquote fat kid was gonna be i knew there was a fat kid which i think is a bit of an overstatement he's not super fat um but uh, when I realized it was Jerry O'Connell as the fact I that, didn't I realize surprised.
0: until yeah. the end, the credits.
1: Um, OK, so I I love River Phoenix in this movie so much, which I also barely recognized him because I, one, my the I mainly just know him from my own private Idaho and dogfight. And I've only seen both of those movies once. So I am very kind of unaware of River Phoenix. Like I know who he is. I know he died young. I know he's the brother to Joaquin. Um, But I really am kind of experiencing him as an actor for the first time like now, which we watched My Own Private Idaho, I think, last year. So I saw that now jumping into four of actually, I'm sorry, five of his movies um, this month uh, will be, you know, kind of eye opening for me as I um, get to see what everyone else who is a fan already knows, like you, for example. Um, I loved him in this. I thought he was so good uh, Will Wheaton, I know much more, but I know him as an adult actor. Uh, I did watch Star Trek Next Generation as a kid, but I don't really remember much of it. I just remembered my mom and I watched it when it was on like weekly. And, uh, I mainly remember Patrick Stewart. I don't much remember Wesley Crusher. Um, but I am aware of Will Wheaton as an internet personality now. Uh, he's, I've listened to at least one of his audio books and then, um, I am a big fan. I was a big fan of the Big Bang Theory for like the first 5 or 6 seasons and Will Wheaton shows up pretty early on and is a regular recurring element. He's not like every episode, but he's in several episodes. Um
0: Oh. He Sorry, I didn't mean to inter- interrupt you. He, no, I didn't realize he was in Eureka. We had started watching that but a very long time oh. ago. I was Yeah,
1: just- and I think um, i cut you off now um i was gonna no. say i think uh big bang theory kind of got him back into like regular acting he was doing a lot of internet like youtube videos and audiobooks and stuff like that but he's definitely an icon in nerd culture now um so i'm very familiar and i, I really liked him in this uh performance i liked gordy a lot um i like yeah. jerry o'connell i i know i'm not sure how you're gonna feel about this
0: you didn't like Corey feldman i
1: I did not like Corey Feldman. He was super obnoxious and way overacting in every moment that he got. Um and he's like, character... guys, this is my last
0: chance. <laughs> no, I'm, kidding. I'm sorry.
1: But uh I, I like I know you're more of a Corey Haim fan, right? Or Haim or whatever you say it.
0: I'm pretty sure that I was named after the Coreys. Um I I like them both. I feel like I loved Silver Bullet when I was a kid, which is also another Stephen King uh, based off of a Stephen King book, which has Corey Haim in it, um, but I he he definitely is I think more sub like a more subdued, not as over the top kind of actor. And then they were together in Lost Boys, so. But I I can't yeah. say that I've like watched a ton of either of their movies either.
1: Okay, because um, we watched Goonies, mm-hmm. and I liked him more in Goonies to mm-hmm. be honest. Um which I didn't love Goonies. I, I don't think you did either, right? Like we were kind of both like, maybe if we saw this when we were younger, but now it's like, yeah,
0: I like it. And I, yeah. yeah, but not, yeah.
1: I mean, other people like act like it's the movie the from their childhood. The best movie ever. Yeah. And I did not see it as a child. I saw it as an adult and I'm like, yeah, it's cool. I don't love it. And it felt a little long if I remember correctly. Um, again, I don't dislike it either. It was fine. And maybe if I saw it as a kid, it would have meant something to me. Uh, that's not the case with Stand By Me. I love this movie, by the way. I don't think I've said that. I was very, very into this film. Um, I did not cry. And at one point, um, towards the end, my wife walked by and was like, are you crying? I'm like, no. Yes, could I, be? <laughs> I was like, uh, cause I, d- I do cry a lot of movies. Like I'm not ashamed to cry at movies, but it didn't yeah. hit me like that. Um,
0: I, I think that something I wonder, like, because this movie is kind of timeless and people do love this movie. And I think that it's just so real.
1: Well, so for me, the part that did hit the most is one of the monologues that River Phoenix gets to do, which I'm not going to say what yet because it Mm -hmm. would be technically a spoiler. But uh, it is he is the character that I'm the most intrigued by and I think feels the most timeless overall. Um, because of the, the type of kid he represents and I, I, I have made it my, my like life's work essentially to try and reach kids who feel like he feels. And so that hit me more than any of like the, the personal, like, I didn't feel like I've gone through what these kids are going through, but I feel like I try to fight against the things that happen to these kids and what they're going through. Um, and I think that's where I connected. And that's where, I, like, Feldman's character felt so big at times. And, like, he just was always, like, yelling and being loud. Did and... You...
0: I feel like, though, his character, that he's a little crazy.
1: He is. And I think he also feels like maybe he has the most to prove. Um, That's fair. But I it still felt like a big performance, which he's a child actor. Maybe Rob Reiner didn't know how to like to coach him into something. Yeah. And the rest of this movie feels so composed and quiet that he does feel like a bit out of place. Like um, I think if you look at a movie like hearts, uh, hearts in Atlantis, which I actually think those two films have something in common, which they do because they're both Stephen King novellas, but like even tonally, they feel very similar. Like they feel like they're cut from the same cloth to me. Um, obviously one has more of like a supernatural vibe to it, which is uh, Hearts in Atlantis. That's the name of that movie, right? The Anton Yelchin one? Yeah. Um, But I feel like Feldman's character would fit more in that movie, partly because of the heightened kind of supernatural pieces to it, where in this movie, everything is so grounded in reality that his big performance feels out of place. Because even like Vern, um, I really actually like Vern's character a lot and he's the one I think we're supposed to like the least like because he's the whiner he's the, you know everything is in the like and like they keep mocking him for being overweight which he's just barely barely overweight. right I was
0: like I wish that I was fat like him like <laughs> everyone keeps yeah. giving him our yeah. time <laughs> he's a little
1: pudgy but it's not like he's walking around eating like a chocolate bar the whole movie he's not like a gustic Augustus Gloop or whatever from uh, Willy Wonka, like the kid's just a little pudgy. Like he just hasn't worked off his baby weight yet. Like he's one, he's puberty away from being like a hunk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and literally, if you look at Jerry O'Connor, like oh yeah, <laughs> uh, um, like he didn't he didn't turn out to be the fat guy. He's not like the Chris Farley role in the other movies. Like the dude gets hunky, so it's fine. Um, but yeah, overall, I really enjoyed a lot of the performances. Um. I actually like kind of the dual narrative because you, you keep having, like, we're going to the bad guy uh, of Kiefer Sutherland. I, I feel like the way that plays out feels pretty natural. He is a supervillain amongst, like, normal people too, but even that, he plays it grounded, but, like, his character is, like, heightened. You know what I mean? Like, he's so evil for no real apparent reason other than he just is. But I feel like it's a it's a good performance. Like, it's not it's not as big as Feldman like Feldman's just being big and loud and and escalating everything where I think Sutherland has this, like nuance to the character and he, it's not just be as vicious as I can without context so to me it worked a little better as a character mm. um I think that's a, a good stopping sp- point to get into
0: spoilers yeah Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about Stand By Me in great detail. You have been warned.
1: So the monologue that got me the most, which, again, I still did not cry, but I I was like the most upset was when um, Chris, uh, who's played that's River Phoenix's character, is telling admitting to Gordy that he did steal the milk money, but that he returned it to the teacher. And that then the money never showed up. And the implication is that the teacher stole the money, pocketed the money because of the type of kid Chris is. And she knew better. And then Chris's heartbreak in that he did wrong. He tried to write it, but then was screwed over by the one person he's supposed to be able to trust. And from what we've gathered, no adult in Chris's life is okay. His, His parents are abusive. Now the teacher has betrayed him. The one person he felt he could rely on. And as a teacher myself, that was more crushing to me than anything, because I know kids who come into my class and I've met kids, you know, you hear, oh, well, this kid is a troublemaker. This kid is a lost cause. And um, I'll be honest. Yeah, we don't hear that from our own coworkers. Our school has built a community where we believe our students can overcome that type of world it doesn't matter where you come from it doesn't matter what your background is it doesn't matter what you've done you can choose to be the person you want to be you can choose to be better than the places that you come from and we have tons and tons of success stories and so hearing that uh always frustrates me because and again not in a bad way it made me endearing to chris because poor chris you know yes he messed up we all have made stupid mistakes in our life, some worse than others, obviously, but we deserve the opportunity to write those mistakes. And Chris tried and was denied by the one person who's supposed to be, you know, reliable to him that we're, we often put teachers on pedestals and they disappoint us because we're still people. But I try to to live up to that expectation as much as I'm able to. And I, I'm not perfect either. And that's part of how I live up to that expectation, is I let my students know I am capable of making mistakes. And I will try when I do to rectify them. You know, I, I've definitely made mistakes as a teacher, but the one that I try to hold to is making sure that the kids trust me and that they they have the they should trust me, that I don't betray that because it means something to me. So that moment really got me it definitely made me love that character Uh, i wanted to reach into the screen and give him a hug and tell him it's it's okay that not everybody's like that that there is hope
0: yes i figured that was gonna be and that the teacher bought a new outfit with the money like shitty no
1: yeah and i mean that's a a assumption that they make but it does seem to all add up uh and it's you know he's he's too tearful in the re- recounting of that story for it to be him like telling a lie because I think the the initial conversation starts with him kind of like weaving a tapestry and then going into the truth, um you know like he's weaving a tale, it's spinning a yarn if you will, and then it becomes the truth, um and it's it's a confession to Gordy, uh that i just i really love that sequence in fact i really love their friendship the most like the it's they're so supportive of each other they are and that when he yells at uh gordy about not being a dumbass like them i uh, i love that scene so much and um gordy's story is super heartbreaking of course that his brother uh played by john cusack um had died in a, a car accident uh what like less than a year beforehand i think um And now his parents have basically not recovered. Uh, Their son, Denny, was the favorite son. Um, And what I loved about it, though, is that they are so clearly infatuated with Denny as this, like, perfect child. But Denny is constantly supporting Gordy, which makes the loss of Denny all the more tough. Because Gordy loses the one family member who loved him and then is left with these two family members who are bitter that they only have Gordy left. Um, because he's not the football player; he's the he's the intellectual. He's not the athlete. He's he's this smart writer, and um, that that moment where him and Chris hang back on the train tracks and they're talking about that is just so powerful. And again, it's that you know Chris knows Chris believes he is stuck in the position that he's in, where Gordy is kind of making that choice, and Chris is like, "You're not going to make that choice. That's that's a you have an opportunity that we don't have." you can't let your stupid parents not loving you be the reason you don't find your own joy. And I, man, what, what a freaking powerful and important message in that film, you know,
0: from 12 year olds.
1: Yeah. From 12 year olds. And I think, I think Gordy's story in general, and we do find out that Chris does overcome his station in life and he does find success and fights for the the little guy fights for the underdog. But, is then that's what ultimately ends in his death which is an interesting message that king puts in the book because the story is being told of this bond where they're going to see a dead body which i guess we haven't even mentioned that that's the whole premise <laughs> yeah is that a kid has gone missing so that I, I picking blueberries and i assume that's kind of like symbolism of like the loss of innocence um you know, that this child is gone and no one can find him. And and these kids are looking for it. Like they have lost their innocence because Chris is, you know, beaten and and lied to by adults. So he doesn't, he doesn't have that childlike wonder any longer. Gordy's brother has died and his parents don't love him because of that. So his innocence is gone. Teddy's dad is crazy apparently. And I don't, did Vern have problems at home or not? I don't feel like he did
0: i've I don't he remember had something it. i can't remember if it's that his mom was a single mom or maybe
1: that was it and something she, they, she just feeds him all the time that's why he's chunky or something
0: they all have pretty i mean obviously some of it's more troubled than others but they all seem to have but you're right i can't remember about Vernet Vern. yeah
1: like he seems like maybe the he's got the, the easiest, least traumatized also, yeah because Teddy's like military obsessed and his you know the fact that his dad went to war is like the reason his dad's crazy but his dad also tried to burn his ear off um, which you know you can kind of see the like the damage to his ear but it's you know it's mild it's not like they make it sound like it was way worse than what they could maybe do in the movie like with prosthetics or whatever but mm-hmm. um, but yeah I, I like the couple of flashbacks we get with Cusack and uh, his brother um i I love the moments with chris and and the brother and i I don't dislike the uh the key for southern stuff at all, but it also it does it feels more or less like a plotty choice like to just make sure we have a villain Because um, the villain could have just been like the struggle right like just getting to finding the body dealing with their their fears and their troubles from the past but, but...
0: i i feel like too that like, maybe this was becoming, because we all heard from our parents and our grandparents about how safe it was. And, you know, mm. play outside and do whatever you want until dinner time, And, you know, there weren't really any, not as many I mean, dangers they- as, like, when we were growing up. And I feel like that it seems like a kind of a turning point with him that he's I don't know how to explain it like that it would be safe and it would be pretty much okay for them to go on this long journey that's miles and miles away Yeah. except then there's this psychopath I don't
1: (sighs) who doesn't know he's fighting against them though and that I think is important because he doesn't know that they know about the body until they show up at the body and then there's that final conflict or he's ready to stab them over it. And the kid pulls the gun. That, Gordy. Um, yeah, Gordy pulls the gun that uh, Chris had brought. Which he'd already shot earlier in the movie. On accident. Which was a pretty funny scene. And yet not cool at all. Uh, you know, because Gordy's pretty pissed that it happens. And I don't blame him. Because it would totally freak me out too. Um, but, yeah. Uh, that whole sequence is, is pretty intense. Um, as you know the gun is out and Kiefer Sutherland is like oh you're not gonna actually do that and then there is this like yeah the hell I am and you're like um I think he will maybe back away (laughs) and
0: I feel like also because Gordy's kind of like he they've already had conflict with them at the beginning he stole the Yankees hat that his brother gave him
1: correct yes you know so messed up
0: yeah so messed up um you know I feel like there's two that he, Gordy's finally able to stand up for himself. And I can't imagine how exhilarating and powerful that must be that you're this wimpy kid that everyone always like picks on. And then there comes this point where, I mean, are people going to mess with him anymore?
1: And well, and he feels so um, protective over the body of this kid, you know, this loss of innocence that now he has found, he's discovered and he does not want it to be disturbed or um, violated in any glory
0: way. For it either. Where, like, they started out and the whole way that they got Vern to go at all is that they were going to get our, their faces in the paper and on the, you know, radio and blah, blah, blah. Going to be heroes. And then he didn't want any part of that.
1: Yeah, once he sees it, he decides it's not the right thing to do. I um, thought...
0: That I mean, I know it's just makeup and someone lying very still, probably, but I thought that it looked very believable.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's it. I had no issues with any of the visuals really in this movie. Um, even uh, the the one scene we haven't talked about is the crossing the bridge sequence, which is super oh, iconic. Oh, oh. Um where like you know, they're like, Okay, well this is the fastest route is across this bridge of a train track where there will be no escape if a train comes. They don't know when the next train might be coming through, um, and they start walking, and Vern is terrified of of the heights, which I can't blame him. It's kind of scary and um he's like crawling. But when they had to start running and Gordy like lifts him up and they're running and Gordy's like, Oh my god, come on! Like it's it's tense and very, very scary. Um and then they dive off just the last second. Uh luckily I'm surprised they aren't injured a little more because there's like tons of like giant boulders
0: and. And stuff. it was like a. It ends up that it's a big fall.
1: Yeah, it's not a short fall. It's not as big a fall as it could have been. Um, like if they had jumped in the water, I think they die. Like I don't think they survived that fall. But, uh, that jump was maybe still like 15 feet or so, and that's enough to damage you. And they seemed okay. Yeah, with well, the rocks um, and stuff. Yeah, especially with all those boulders around and stuff. Yeah, it definitely could have been worse. Um, but still. That scene's really well done. I really enjoy it. Um, it's, uh, it, the Family Guy did, like, kind of parody that, and that's, um, I wasn't sure if everyone was going to make it or not, to be honest. I, could, I feel like oh. in the, the Family Guy one, I think the, uh, I think Burns character dies in it. Um, so oh, no. Like, Wait. Yeah, uh, in the Family Stop Guy at one, at I might the be black, wrong.
0: At the, sorry, not the black, at the fat kid. Sorry. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I think that was the joke, was, you know, he's the one who wasn't gonna make it kind of thing um but yeah I don't remember for sure I could be wrong maybe maybe in the, the uh animated parody it that doesn't happen but I feel like that's what I thought happened and so I was like wait a minute are they gonna kill one of these four kids and I was like really on edge like oh god no they can't kill you 12 year olds
0: in this movie no I'm kidding
1: yeah and they, they did not yeah so but again that's the thing is like it'd be weird if on the way to see a uh, dead body that you think may have been hit by a train you get hit by a train like that would be like a weird twist in this movie, like maybe two M Night Shyamalan, even, um, but yeah, I I definitely really like this movie. It's one I kind of want to just jump right back into and rewatch because I feel like there's a lot of things that I wouldn't mind seeing again, or like really like focusing in on that monologue that uh, I, Phoenix does and stuff like that.
0: I want to talk about Lardass. <laughs> uh, yes.
1: The story. The, this is the one example of him being a good storyteller we get through the movie,
0: and that this whole thing where he's—I mean, the whole movie is a story that he's right. Well, not a story because it's true. I don't it's know. Still a Story.
1: you yeah. can Tell a true story. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Word. Um, that they're camping out overnight on the way, uh, to find the body, and he starts telling a story, and we—I can't remember the guy's name. But everyone calls him lard ass. And that's what I remembered most as a kid. And I also can't handle vomiting. You know? Oh,
1: yeah. No, it's
0: so, a God. And also, I mean, have you ever not been well and you've had to take castor oil?
1: I've never had to take castor oil. Oh, no.
0: God. I need to tell you that my dad thought that castor oil, like, fixed everything.
1: Oh, man.
0: And it is the worst the worst worst thing ever and just like watching the bottle of castor oil and i love that they like had a little plain label that said castor oil on the side i like mm-hmm. started getting nauseous just you know my dad was oh, born man. in 55 so that's about right um he you know we just drank had to take it for everything and it's like swallowing can you imagine like swallowing like vegetable oil just like
1: no A
0: lot of it.
1: I guess the closest thing I've done to that would be like coconut oil when I was doing the keto like real heavy. Oh, but But coconut oil. Yeah. And I mainly was mixing that in coffee. So it wasn't like still wasn't drinking it straight up. But um, even that texture in the coffee, because it had like a like almost like a film. Yeah. And so I didn't. I didn't enjoy drinking it, even though it didn't like. T- it didn't taste bad, but it was like a texture thing. So I, I can't imagine just like gulping it. Like no freaking way.
0: Mm. It's so it I so the, it just like it really hit me, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. uh it was even more nauseating, and I can't. Oh, he took an egg with it. Um, yes. Oh, what was? Oh, that was I, so he, really, like – Oh my god, like just thinking about it, I wanna throw up. Um
1: it's So nauseating.
0: But I love that scene and I love that it's like totally a twelve year old kid's story. But yeah. yeah, I just love it. The pie eating contest and then he throws up on someone and it just becomes this big barf fest.
1: I love how Vern keeps making suggestions like <laughs> in his story too. <laughs> yeah. Like he just can't sit Because I that's I have students like that when it's we're like talking about a movie or like getting ready to like watch a film and I'll start giving plot and they just start asking me all these questions like we're gonna watch the movie. Just calm down. (laughs) Like let's get there. Or even if I'm lecturing and they start asking like, what about this? What about this? I'm like, I am gonna tell you if you let me speak. Just give me a second. (laughs) Like already been there. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I thought that I, I I that's an iconic scene.
1: Yeah, it is. And uh It's weird because it is a story within a story. Like You could almost have that as a short film on its own because it does play out like a short film. Um, One last thing I do want to talk about is the choice to have Gordy narrate the movie. Um, That's always a point of contention with cinema is whether or not voiceover narration is ever good. Um, A lot of people feel because this is a show-me medium that uh, we can figure out a lot if you craft your visual story better. And I think that's true in most cases. However, I often am a fan of voiceover narration in certain movies. Like, I love the Blade Runner voiceover narration. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's important to that movie. Um, I love noir film, which often has voiceover narration in those. Uh, and there's there's another movie that has it that I really, really like it in. I can't think of what it is now. But here, I also really liked it, especially because the, the framing device of it being A story that Richard Dreyfuss' character, Older Gordy, is writing. um, I think the narration makes sense, Uh, and I I didn't dislike it. Oh, The Sandlot is one that I also love. The voiceover narration.
0: Oh, love Sandlot.
1: Um, and I can see why. I can see the argument that it's a crutch because you're you're making your character tell us information that we could have inferred on our own.
0: I think it is more personal sometimes.
1: Sure. Uh, it does feel more like a book when you watch a movie with voiceover narration. Cause like in a book you read narration all the time. Cause that's how they can convey all the details uh, that you wouldn't get otherwise. Right. Because <laughs> if it was just dialogue, the book would be weird. It would be like, Oh, where are we right now? I don't know. Unless some character awkwardly was like, Hey, we're sitting in a kitchen. Like it, you have to have that narration element. Um, and of course you have the choice of what type of narrator is it like an omniscient narrator? Or is it a first person narration? Um and here it's it's a first person narration and I, I I can see that argument with a movie because you don't need it. Uh there's tons of great examples of films where you don't have the, the inner monologues of characters and you totally know what they're going through because of the performance. In a movie with child actors though, it's a lot to ask that they can deliver that nuance of a performance. Although if any cast can do it, I do think River Phoenix and Will Wheaton could. I think you see a lot of their emotions in their faces and you know what they're feeling and going through. And of course you only get Gordy's perspective. So everything we infer from Chris's performance from well, river Phoenix performance as Chris is on him and what he's doing. And I think he does a lot in this movie and you really know what he's feeling um, in every instance. And man, talk, you know, Corey, it would be wrong of me not to give praise for the, the crying of river Phoenix. That dude. I was waiting great <laughs> every... cry actor.
0: Yes. <laughs> Uh, and then when he like breaks down and he's like, I never imagined a teacher and then oh. boo hoo and I was like, damn, every time that we watch movie, like for movie club, or that I know that you're going to be seeing in theaters or something, I and I see a crying scene. I always
1: <laughs> judge. Yeah. Like. Uh, listen, <laughs> listeners, if you have not uh, listened to us for a while, um, I am very, very critical. Of bad crying in movies. And it can make or break <laughs> my opinion of an actor or actress. And the most notorious of that is Claire Danes in Romeo and Juliet. Um, where she cries like Goofy laughs. <laughs> and um, she repeats that same exact. Literally the exact same sound crying. Literally. In, in Igby goes down. Uh, if the exact same. like It's almost as if she, they just cut the sound from Romeo and Juliet. And place it in Igby goes down. Because it is exact. <laughs> um i've not seen all of her movies but that's the only two times i've heard that cry and it's the worst fake crying in cinema and then jennifer lawrence in uh hunger games i think it's i think it's mocking jay part one where she goes back to her district 12 and finds out the bad thing that's happened i won't spoil that movie um although you should skip it it sucks but uh her crying in that scene is so unconvincing and it's so bad um there's others out there. Those are the two that always kind of come as my examples, but then there's just performers who can cry so well, and there's a lot, but Phoenix crushes it in this movie. And he's, again, he's a kid actor. So it's all the more impressive. Um, and I think in some ways, all the more disappointing that he did uh, succumb to drugs and his life ended so, so early. Um, not that, you know, just for my entertainment that I wish he survived. I wish people survived just to survive, but it is a shame when you see someone so talented and in that talent burns uh so bright and of course that is an expression that you know um those that burn brightest burn fastest and here's an example um where he was so talented so so early and apparently just could not deal with some part of life i don't know for sure what led him to choosing drugs but uh from what Corey said in the last episode and i've not done any real research but that he um it was kind of a secret that he was using drugs, and that's not usually the story that you hear when people OD. It's usually like, "Oh, they were partiers; they so were I always." Yeah, and in this case, it sounds like people didn't, and that that's kind of more sad. I think um, that he was in so much pain that he even felt the need to hide the addiction um, from people, and that's that's pretty tragic. So. Um, this is a, a good month uh, so far. At least the first two movies that we've watched from River Phoenix have both been great. Um, I, I really love Dogfight, like way more than I expected to love Dogfight, and I really, uh, really like Stand by Me. But I'm not a surprise because Stand by I, Me is a classic. So
0: I want um, to suggest to you also, um, oh my gosh, because I think that you would like it a lot, even though it's about these musicians trying to make it in country music. Um, I think it's called A Thing Called Love. Um, yep, is, River, is another... yeah, River, River Phoenix. Yeah, River what? River Phoenix. Okay. It's um, Samantha Mathis and Dermot Mulroney.
1: Okay. Man, and, Samantha Mathis is kind of brutal, though. Um, why do you say that? Uh, she is in the Super Mario Brothers movie, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> um, as Princess Daisy, And she's, yeah, I'm pretty sure. And she's had a pretty not so illustrious career.
0: Oh, Sandra um, Bullock's in it too. Oh, wow. I've only seen it once, but it's, oh, Trisha Yearwood is in it as herself, Pam Tillis. Um, I've only seen it once and it was streaming on Netflix or something when I watched it, but it's all these musicians in Nashville that are trying to make it big and just kind of like showing some of their relationships because they like always run into each other and just what they're doing to try to get famous there I know, but, I'm,
1: not, I know yeah. I'm not a fan of country music I do tend to like any movie about musicians um I am right she is in Super Mario Brothers uh that but she's I've only Psycho time. um oh she's in the 1994 Little Women too I think she is the older oh. um older uh Beth if I'm not not Beth um Amy I think she's older Amy yes she is older Amy March which I've not watched this yet still I bought it after seeing the last one but I've not gone back and watched it um, I really need to because I I do want to check this off my list. Just been busy. Um, because Kirsten Dunst plays young Amy, and then Samantha plays old Amy, which instead they kept Florence Pugh as both in the uh, um, Greta Gerwig version of. Gerwig. I just
0: really like her a lot, Florence Pugh.
1: Oh yeah, she's amazing. I'm a big fan of. Florence Have she's... you watched uh, Fighting with My Family yet? No, I need year? to.
0: Um, she's one of my favorite people on Instagram though <laughs> like her stories are so funny it's just her making ice cream making fancy ass ice cream and I love it so much
1: <laughs> oh yeah I follow <laughs> like, her on Instagram
0: let's see if this works and I'm like yes she's we need to like be careful and make sure that she knows that we love her as an actress or she's gonna open like some fancy little ice cream boutique
1: you've not seen um, Lady Macbeth yet have you uh uh that was her movie from a couple of years ago that you also need to watch. That's really good. Okay. Oh, I forget Samantha Mathis is in Pump Up the Volume, apparently, too. which Yeah? Is is she... Huh. Yeah, I guess she has some good movies. I, I take that back. I apologize, Samantha, if you're listening. And you get, was... You've done some good.
0: She's been Kids in America. Why does that sound familiar?
1: I don't know. I don't see that one. Is it... Barry the Ryan Reynolds movie?
0: 2005 yeah it is hmm
1: i guess i just associate her with princess daisy because i saw that movie That's a so lot sad. when i was a kid yeah it's sad that i saw it as many times as i did too like we were like insistent to make it like we're like no it's got to be good it's mario like we just were in denial my
0: husband have... even to this day he made me watch it not that long ago probably within the last 10 years is like you have to watch this. It's such a great movie, and I'm like, but it's really not. <laughs>
1: it's really not. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it's so bad. It's laughable. So it's it is enjoyable to watch.
0: What the but, hell was yeah. that with Yoshi?
1: Um, everything about that movie is so weird. Like, oh, the God. are weird, and then, mm-hmm. uh, the, oh man, Koopa as Dennis Hopper as Koopa. It's just like, what is happening? And then even the the Somebody on some. of Mario, Mario and Luigi, Mario, and no one's like, well, hold up, dude, wait a minute. Your parents did what now? Like they named you? Your last name is your first name? Like that's awful. Who would do that? <sighs> um, yeah, it's it's it is what it is. Uh, but um, uh, and sh- to be fair, while that's a bad movie, their her performance isn't inherently bad either. And so, I would say the same thing with both like Wasamo and Bob Hoskins. I think they are doing stuff. Um, the movie's just insane. <laughs> like So it's it's bad. But uh, yeah, sorry, we've gone on a big tangent. Let's, let's wrap up um, uh, Stand By Me. I've almost forgot what movie we watched again. Um, stand By Me, I am going to say uh, it's a must-see film. And it's one that I'm glad I finally can check off of my adult viewing list that I finally have watched it uh, with grown-up eyes. And um, teachers out there, if you listen to this podcast, please don't assume a child is awful. And if a child trusts you with something... Do not betray that. That is that is evil in my eyes. Um, you gotta, you know, set the example. We want to. We, wanna, we t- kids look to us for guidance, and we are supposed to set the bar for what it's supposed to be. So do that. Um, Corey, I assume as many times as you've seen this, it's got to be must see for you as well. Yes. There you have it, listeners. Second River Phoenix movie for Phoenix Rising, and uh, man. And for me, he is rising because it's an actor that I've always heard about, but I just had never gotten into the movies. I think the movies were too serious for me as a kid. I like dumb comedies, and he doesn't seem to ever venture into the comedic realm, um, as, oh. at least not directly. I could but be one wrong. One of our movie.
0: movies is comedic. It, it,
1: you're right. But that one seems to be a little on the controversial side of quality. Uh, it seems like it's got its fans, but it's also got its, its haters. I'm hoping we're going to like it. Um, I do like uh, the cast.
0: I like so the I'm hoping at least cast. The,
1: yeah, it's an impressive cast for uh, "I Love You to Death," but um, seems to be up and down in, in the, the overall. Um, I have also not looked. Uh, what are we watching next week? Because this is one you picked, right?
0: Mm, you picked this one.
1: No, no, I picked "Stand by Me." So oh, yeah. Right I th-
0: Sorry, I thought you meant. Yeah,
1: I I can totally see why that was confusing. Oh, "Sneakers" is next week.
0: Oh yeah, that has a That's cast the next too.
1: That does have a major cast. Uh, in fact, oddly, um, I ran into our buddy Mike Sanchez at uh, the mall the other day w- where I buy a lot of my cheap movies. And we were looking at um, movies together and I was talking about sneakers that we we're getting ready to watch. And he's like, oh, I just rewatched that the other day. It was on some channel he was watching. And he ended up rewatching it. It was just like, yeah, it holds up. So nice. I was like, all right. So we got Robert Redford, Dan Aykroyd, Sidney Poitier, uh, Joe Mar, Gary Hirschberger, David Stratham or Strathairn, excuse me, River Phoenix, of course. And somewhere in this, um, oh no, that's later on. But this is uh, 1992, so one year after Dogfight. Um, I am excited to check it out. It has a 65 meta score, 7.1 IMDb User Score, directed by Phil Adlin Robinson, who I know nothing about. But he's written some good movies, apparently. He wrote uh, Field of Dreams and this, the uh, Sneakers. But he's written some junk, too. But we'll, we'll see how this one holds up. I'm excited about it. Uh, we'll be watching that and reviewing it next week. So if you want to watch it, um, reach out to us. tell us what you thought we might include your thoughts on the podcast. You can use anchor.fm to leave a voice recording or just hit up on hit us up on social media on Twitter, Instagram Burke, and uh, excuse me and letterbox I'm at Burke Reviews and Corey. at Corey r star two hours on the end. And um, you can go to Burkereviews.com and read my reviews uh Corey w- writes some things every once in a while as well so you can check that out um you did a top albums of last year which is still up and readable on our on our site so it's worth checking out if you were like hey what albums did i miss from uh 2019 well corey has got the scoop for you i think Corey, yes it would be cool if you did the top albums of the decade as well because you know matt oh, and i God, just said it's so t- hard it is it is but it's also fun You could do it by genre if you want to. So you could do like top three albums by genre or something like that. You know, whatever you want to do. No, no pressure. No pressure.
0: Recording over.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's on recording. Um, uh, listener, sneakers does not appear to be on any free streaming services at the moment, but you can rent it for four bucks or less uh, for most of the big digital providers. Except apparently, oh no, iTunes. You can. It's just my device would not play iTunes because I have an Android. Forget you, iTunes. But I think that's it for this week. Corey, you have anything to part with before we leave?
0: No. Well,
1: then we will be back next week, folks. And until then, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BerkReviews.com.